When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of the Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to the Witcher Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and as always, I am here with one of my great friends, Toasty. Hello. And uh, you're recording, right, Ben? I am recording. Yes, I hit the record button. We haven't had a mishap in a couple months now, so that's great. (laughs) (laughs) So we are good on that note. But uh, this week we are continuing our Pantheon talk with more uh, deities in the Nordling Pantheon. Am I correct? Yeah, we got. It's still. A few to go. Yeah, th- there's a lot. <laughs> I think today we hit the halfway mark, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there was what, 18? Was it 18? It was like 16, 18. 16, yeah. 18. We did four last yeah, week. That's a lot. This week, I will it say, looks like five. One of them I mentioned last week. I said Lithia. Lithia is also just Dana Meeb. So <clears throat> technically, I already did. did oh, okay. Her. So yeah, she yeah, this... just gets a separate entry for some reason. So yeah, this week uh, they I would say this is the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so two more weeks of the Northern Pantheon. <laughs> well, we have a Patreon show that we have to do at some point, but yeah, yeah, that's true too. That is next week. <laughs> yep. Um, but anyways, today we will be covering uh, Epona. No, that is not the horse from Zelda. Huldra, Creve, Lilvani, and Ben. I'm curious, how do you pronounce this word? Melita. Melitha, okay. Melitha. You said it. You said it different earlier, and I was like, hmm. "Did I?" <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, you said Melitel. Oh, did I? Oh, it's Melitela. <laughs> yeah. Melitela. I, I, I don't. I still don't know the correct way we're supposed to say it. I just. But go I go off, off of, of the, the audio book. Yeah. Yep. That's what I go off of because that's the only time we actually. I mean, we hear it, well. It's in the games too. We hear like, it in the, the games. games. I think people say Melitelli, and I'm just like. I don't like that one. I, I always think Melitola. Yeah, that's the one. That's always my my go to. Um, but anyways, <laughs> missing a fucking <laughs> um, going in alphabetical order like we were. Um, today we're gonna start with Epona. Um, so the horse from Zelda, right? Exactly. <laughs> no. Not the horse from Zelda, though. 
she is the patron goddess for horses and horsemanship, so... Hmm. Universe crosses? Hmm. <laughs> um, but also, she is um, also the goddess of prowess, chivalry, and abundance. Um, she was worshipped by the Nordlings, uh, including uh, Toussaint-Trois and the inhabitants of the northern regions of the Nilfgaardian Empire. So pretty vast spreading uh, deity here. Um, so essentially her, like anybody who uses horses. Basically. Um, like, do they not? <laughs> they don't use horses in the southern Nilfgaardian Empire? <laughs> you never know. We haven't been in, yeah. we haven't been in Nilfgaard in a while. That's true. Um, uh, but her symbols uh, are a two-headed horse icon um, as well as an upside-down horseshoe with an arrow. Um, uh, she's popular among riders, stablemen, farmers, and racers, uh, knights and soldiers, um, or anyone who lives with and uses horses or horse-adjacent animals. I've never heard that like described that way. Like I know they're talking about like ponies, donkeys, mm-hmm. right, mules, but like horse adjacent is funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then her military arm is the Order of the Golden Stirrup. Uh, so Epona, titled the Lady of Horses, is a Nordling goddess um, of horsemanship, prowess, and knighthood. She rides the solar chariot, is responsible for abundance in form of a healthy foal and bountiful harvest, and holds sway over equines and those who rely upon them. Afflicting harm upon the beasts and common people is a sure way to invoke her wrath. Rides the solar chariot. She's kind of Apollo in that sense. Yeah, that <laughs> and um, don't. Why would you hurt a horse? Horses are great. Don't hurt yeah, a horse. Don't, don't don't do that. Roach is um, fantastic. True. <laughs> maybe maybe we start like putting like crazy fucking theories up that Epona is actually Roach. Is she just mm-hmm. takes a new form every time? And every that's time why Geralt gets a new Roach. <laughs> yeah, it's just Epona like manifesting a new horse as a new horse for Geralt's. And, like, that's why he's able to, like, teleport onto roofs and things. <clears throat> and then when you go to the fairytale land, it Roach talks. Exactly. Almost when said. Roach normally can't talk to you. I, I think we're on to something. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, so as for a bit of the history, Epona's cult was already popular in the time of Northling Expansion. When a monastic order devoted to her was transformed into the order of the golden stirrup, the worship of her warrior aspect, initially popular amongst cavalrymen, spread downwards through the ranks of continental militaries over time. Um, moving to her beliefs, uh, the Lady of Horses reigns over uh, equines, so horses, mules, ponies, and other horse-adjacent animals as well as those who live with, rely upon, and use them. The deity loves her beasts and protects them from harm. Tales are told of brutal owners beating their mounts only to be found trampled in the morning. Epona is a protective force for people as well, especially those who fight in defense of their homes. 
Myths often depict Epona as she cooperates with Creve, portraying her as the Thunder God's niece or bride, depending on regional tradition. One of the tales describes how the equine goddess managed to steal a magical steed from the Chthonic Lord of Wishes. Richly equipped with heads on both sides of the torso, the horse is now a faithful companion of sky deities. <clears throat> uh, I wonder if this is some, like kind of a different like play on... Um, what's the name of Odin's horse? Oh, um... Oh, shoot. Because I know Odin's horse is like a... I don't think it's multiple-headed, but it's like a multiple-legged, like... It's multiple leg, yeah. Flying, kind of flying horse? I don't know if it can fly, but... Uh, Slepnir. Slepnir? Slepnir, yeah. Yeah, it's multiple. It has like six, uh, eight legs. Yeah. I'm one. I'm curious because Creve is because it says in the Sky Deities. Creve is kind of the big Sky Deity, and he is mm-hmm. very like akin to Zeus or Odin or Thor, I guess. Um, but yeah. Uh, as for her symbols, um, there's the double-headed horse and horseshoe with an arrow. In her military aspect, the goddess is depicted as an archer on horseback. In other contexts, she is depicted bearing a horseshoe in one hand and an arrow in the other, standing behind an altar shaped in the form of the solar chariot. Okay. Yeah. It was very interesting, like, but very cool. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of, like, times we've come across this, and I cannot think of any. <clears throat> yeah. Which is crazy, because apparently she's worshipped everywhere. <laughs> Right. So the worship of Epona is unevenly distributed. She is strongly revered by people whose fate depends on her good graces, but not so much elsewhere. Nearly everyone who worships her is skilled at riding and handling horses. Uh, what's the one place? I wonder if she's like worshipped or an aspect of her is worshipped in. Uh... It's not. Is it Zarkania? Because there's like there's that particular like. I think it's from they're from Zeracania where they have like a they're particularly like horse adept. Remember like the travelers oh, yeah. that you can meet like uh in Velen, like often but they're like super far in like a weird corner and you can get like mm-hmm. the Zeracanian saddle and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because um funny enough, uh whenever you do the quest in uh Novigrad to go and meet I forget, it deals with the main quest line, but you go up to, like, the northern part of Novigrad, where, like, all the nobles live, and you meet, um, if you import a save, uh, Mm. or do the import save, you meet the guy who questions you, and I cannot remember his name on the top of my head, um, but you, you go with him to the horse races, and you actually can bet yeah. on a certain horse to win, and you can actually you'll ride said horse. And yeah. I I always choose the horse from Zeracania. I'm trying to remember which one I always pick because <clears throat> that's the one they say is like it's uh it's like typically like the fastest uh bred in Zeracania. Is that is that the Vagelbud Memorial Derby? Yes, but it's part of a quest. I know it is. There's, yeah, the, there's the derby you can do as like a side thing, 
to earn um, crowns and gold, but hmm, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that guy, but uh, no, maybe that's not it. <clears throat> but I know which one you're talking about. He's the like the one guy from the but no or the is it the castle then or the palace in Visimir? Vitzimir? Vitzima? Um, I don't know why I'm saying Yeah, you, when you're going to Vizima and you're like sitting in the chair while you're getting shaved and he's uh Yeah yeah uh questioning you. I always always damn it, I just want to get his name because I know <clears throat> Shoot, this is going to bother me now. Mm-hmm. You just have to cut out the dead time because I'm <laughs> we're going to find this information. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is... This is uh, oh, this is gonna you will have the choice of four horses. Cantarella, Chestnut, Zeracania, and Nimrod. He's actually in some <laughs> books, too. Holy crap, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> but there you have it. There's four horses. Yep, I don't think I picked the Zerkane. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure oh. I do. I know. I, yeah, no, I do. I may. I may. It depends on. I'm trying to think how they describe it. I think if the Zerkanian one is the one that they like describe as being like a stormier and hard to like handle one, that's the one I always pick. I know that much. Okay. <laughs> but I can't remember specifically. <laughs> Anyways, uh, fuck, where was I at? We're in the cult. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, nearly, oh, sorry. Um, shrines to the goddess tend to stand on roadsides and frequently include natural springs. Uh, there is no prominent priesthood dedicated solely to the Lady of Horses, and her clerics usually live in temples devoted to more prominent deities. There is, however, a significant number of particularly pious lay people, such as knights, farmers, and travelers, that dedicate themselves to her worship. Acolytes roam the continent, <clears throat> tending to opponent palaces of worship and performing fertility ceremonies and animal blessings in her name. Farmers pray to Epona in hope of a healthy foal and invoke her name when following the plow behind their draft horse to encourage abundant harvest. As a significant portion of Epona's faithful, including cavalrymen and other soldiers, makeshift altars to the deity are constructed in barracks and military camps, and devoted cavalry officers are often conduct her ceremonies before battles. Horse cults of Hackland and Ophir. Ophir. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. The Ophiri horse. Yeah, that's. I was trying to think of the horse people. Ophir. Um, reportedly share some aspects of Epona's worship, but the details pertaining to this relation are scarce. So yeah, I guess they do worship an aspect of her. Maybe not exactly Epona, but something okay. like her. Um, that's pretty cool. Hopefully the farmers who are praying or invoking her name when they follow the plow aren't following the plow around noon. Um, please stay inside. <laughs> stay inside at noon. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, she also has. Uh, there is a military arm of, uh, of her worship, and that is the Order of the Golden Stirrup. Um, 
And a lot of these uh, deities have like these particular like knightly orders kind of. Um, I don't think we're going to talk about knightly orders anywhere else. So might as well throw them in here. The ones that we did before did not. Um, uh, the last week's. Yeah, last week's uh, uh, deities. Yeah, they don't have military. They just had um, very dark and statistic. Uh, sat- statistic. Uh, Cults. Sadistic? Sadistic, yeah, that. Cults. Statistic? They have statistic Statistics. cults. <laughs> <laughs> they do math. No. Uh, they brutally oh and <laughs> they brutally kill people. <laughs> um but anyways, uh the Order of the Golden Stirrup is a military religious order um with the purpose to assist the expansion of the Nordling civilization. So you know, colonizers a little more. Um their coat of arms is the uh, akin to the horseshoe and arrow. <clears throat> um, it's on a like blue background. I'm, I'm not going to use the fucking heraldic terms on this shit. That's uh, fair because that shit's so annoying. Um, but essentially, it like looks like it's not even. I guess it's not even a horseshoe. It looks kind of like a. A cage, like a bird cage, but without like the in between like wires, and then a golden arrow pointed down. Um, yeah, on a blue background. Um, the founder of this order was a Serban of uh, Emerita. <clears throat> uh, the leader of this group is the Grand Master. Um, other notable members include Berica, Cedric von Teffa, and Alex van der Ermen. Um, and they serve in the areas of the far north, the Hingsforth League, and formerly Sintra. <clears throat> so that's interesting. Um, the Order of the Knights Stirruppers with the arrow, popularly known as the Order of the Golden Stirrup. Oh, it's a stirrup. Fucking duh. <laughs> On the coat of arms. <laughs> it's a stirrup. <laughs> My brain, I don't know horse shit, whatever. Um, it's all good. Uh, is an old chivalric order tied to the northern goddess of horses and chivalry, Epona. Uh, they recruit both women and men, and while not as powerful as the Order of the Flaming Rose, the organization has a steady place in the Hingsforth League. Um, oh, there you go. Are they uh, at <laughs> least nicer than the Flaming Rose? Because those are a bunch of a-holes. I'm pretty sure, but we'll find out. <laughs> um, their emblems, uh, their principal coat of arms uh, is an amalgamation of two symbols, a serpent of Am- Emerita's family crest that had an arrow, so that's where the arrow comes from, and the golden stirrup used as a symbol by the original Brotherhood. Uh, a bit of their history, uh, the origins of the order lie in the early centuries of Nordlink forays. Starting as a motley brotherhood worshipping Epona, its members aided the knights of Toussaint and Sintra in prayer and with care for horses. Over time, the more pious of the knights decided to genuinely join the brotherhood. One such was the noble servant of Merida. Seeing the brotherhood's potential, he turned it into a chivalric order or chivalric order um, faithful to Epona. I'm trying to think of how the pronunciation. I've heard it both ways. Chivalric? Yeah, chivalric, yeah. This made them unique among the ascending knightly orders as the majority followed the bellicose thunderer Creve. 
The newfound order based itself in Sintra and in accordance with local custom, accepted the members of both sexes in its ranks. The members are also allowed to intermarry and their children are cared for by the order. Upon reaching maturity, these children may choose between secular life and religious vows. Shortly after Falco's rebellion of the 1150s, Margrave Guido Thyssen invited the Knights Stirruppers and the Order of the White Rose to ravage Carned, expecting them to restore stability in the area. We'll get to the Order of the White Rose in a bit. And indeed, the Knights Stirruppers proved able overseers. Not only did they expand ancient Tor Carned into a proper fortress, but the area of, in their orbit visibly flourished thanks to settlers brought by the Order from the south. The benefit of having the knights present was obvious. Nevertheless, the subsequent Margraves and then King Ottoman made sure that the knights wouldn't be able to seize full control in Karnan. During the Nazarian attack on several Centran towns in 1217, the order joined young Queen Kalanthi and contributed to her victory at the Battle of Hotchpas. Returning from the battle, one stirrupper officer got into trouble near Ermin Castle, but was saved in time by Alex Virch Knut. Even though she was a quarter elf, the order welcomed her with open arms. Alex van der Ermin grew into a strong, cunning, and well-liked leader, and so when she submitted her candidacy for the order's Grand Master in 1261, she received an almost unanimous backing. So a quarter elf became the leader of this knightly order. That So, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I can't remember if this we um I, I'm pretty sure we do. I believe we have this uh battle and we experience it through the Thronebreaker um Gwent side game, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Cuz you go through Calanthe's battles all the way from um her younger days before the events of like the saga mm-hmm. I, I think is this one is it supposed to be like her first like major military victory like her one when I she's like 60 so. she's like super young i remember they mentioned it in the show like she like got her first Mil- like major military victory, like the age of twelve. Oh wait, or something? Th- this is or sixteen. Sorry, no, I'm thinking. Uh, Thornbreaker is um, different. This is that's Queen um, of Riv- that's Queen Meave. I'm thinking of oh, something. Yeah. No, yeah, okay, yeah. This is a Calanthe. I want to say this is Calanthe's like first major battle. Yeah, I kind of I think so. Um, two years later, the Nilfgaardian Empire invaded Sintra. The Order Banners stood by Calanthe's side, many sacrificing their lives at the Battle of Marnadal. This included the Grand Mistress as well. However, nobody noticed her death in the raging battle apart from an opportunistic Doppler who tactically took her place. After the slaughter of Sintra, the Grand Mistress led the Sintran remnants north to join their brethren. Once there, Alex swore allegiance to Nidamir. So... That's actually, that's also pretty significant because we know, like, how racist Sintra is. Yeah. Um, and, like, with the quarter elf and still, they still, she still chose to keep the order by Calanthe's side for this, like, battle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I don't know, I just think it's cool. Um, 
A couple of years passed and the king summoned the knights, disturbed by Grandmaster Jacques de Aldersberg's reformation of the Knights of the White Rose into the Order of the Flaming Rose, devoted to Hierarch of Novigrad. Nightemir used the help of the Knights Stiruppers to non-violently expel the other order. To show gratitude, the Clerical Council of Hingsforth Lands suggested that loyal Stiruppers should receive all castles previously owned by the Knights of the Rose. Nightemir, however, embraced the idea of Jogan Peters, he allowed Knights Stiruppers to dismantle the leftover fortifications and use the material to erect new ones in northern Storfers un under the Dragon Mountains. There, on the League's wildest frontier, they found purpose in defending trapper routes and abundant mines from monsters and barbarians of the far north. Okay. Honestly... Pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and <clears throat> I mean, I guess you you have they have to be cool if like their whole thing is worshiping the like the 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 deity of you know horse protection, right? That and like non-violently exiling mm -hmm. an order that's impressive on itself, especially the order of the flaming it's like mm. the flaming road because they're violent. <laughs> they're real violent. <laughs> they're Go play um, the uh, Hearts of Stone expansion in Witcher 3 because you come across the Knights of the Flaming Rose in that expansion, and they're not nice people. Listen to The Last Wish. Geralt has that to deal too. with some of them, too. That's, that's <laughs> also true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's it for Epona. We can move on to Holdra. Um who is the patron god for livestock, feasts, lust, wealth, spinning, and weaving. Worshipped by the Nordlings um, and mostly worshipped in the uh, centers of Craden and Vespadin. Uh, Craden is uh, a vassal of the Hengsforth League uh, as well, I believe, and the Ves Vespadin is a duchy of Kaidwin. <clears throat> okay. I don't know if we'll ever like cover those specifically. Those are really like small. We could probably dissect the map, but like sometimes it's kind of like because the Hangsforth League is just a amalgamation of various they have a bunch like, of little tiny yeah like, yep so so eh. uh, so Holdra is a robust Nordland go sorry goddess known in different regions of the continent as Perchta or Befana. She's depicted with a cow tail and worshipped as a protector of livestock, patron of fertility, feasts, and wealth. Um, so a bit of history about her worship, um, specifically uh, from the Witcher Thursdays, which may conflict with uh, the original Sapkowski's works or the official Witcher TTRPG, uh, or sorry, role-playing game line. Um, it seems to be like an older version of the TTRPG uh, that I just learned about, but yeah. Okay, because I've <laughs> never heard of this before. Yeah, it's, it's, like, uh, it threw me off. Um, but in 1210, during the tumultuous time following the defenestration of Hingsforth, the archpriestess of the Temple of Melitola in Hingsforth died in result of a curse casted by a priestess of Holdra. Ghosts of the former archpriestess and her acolytes troubled the temple for some time, spoiling the temple's aura and disrupting the rituals. 
Um, and then that's that's it for the Witcher Thursdays content. Um, I have to look this up now. Like I, yeah, what? <laughs> um, and then a little bit uh, that Geralt actually deals with. Um, prior to meeting Yennefer, um, he did learn of an exorcism from a priestess of Haldra, although its meaning turned out to be just a vulgar joke. I th- believe that's the I'm trying to think what specifically that's the story where he like oh he says it um he says it to the the gin remember whenever oh, he like tries yeah. to like he says the shit to the gin and then he gets told that it's like that that's not an exorcism buddy <laughs> <He> yep. just, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't work yeah so oh, that was from a shit priestess <laughs> of Haldra. <laughs> Uh, so Holdra is most popular in the north, especially in Crate and Vespidin. In some cities, such as Hingsforth, she is worshipped together with other Nordling deities, such as Melitola or Telewell. Holdra's clergy knows temple language, as well as a number of exorcisms and curses. Her temples are usually similar to elegant inns or massage parlors, where one can find comfortable sofas, soft pillows, and the best drinks. Monuments depicting the goddess are rarely seen since her priestesses often look divine themselves, with acolytes consisting of beautiful maidens among whom half-elves can sometimes be found. During important holidays, ceremonial feasts are hosted at the goddess's temples and shrines. As Haldra is, among others, a patron of lust and fertility, petitioners often ask her priestesses for tips on how to seduce a crush, obtain love, or medification or medication used to treat erectile dysfunction or expand their knowledge in the arcana of love. Such services require an offering, however, often in the form of gold or gems. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, All right. Apparently the, apparently I can't remember specifically, but there was talk about how like uh, there's uh, Holdra is, like a mythological creature in some uh some mythology where mm-hmm. she's basically a sexy uh forest de- like a creature with a tail. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh <laughs> if you want to go and essentially get an aphrodisiac just give these cult members or a massage uh, or a massage. <laughs> uh just just give them golden gems. <laughs> Geralt should have gone here when he was recovering remember he goes to like the temple of Melitola and there's like the one like priestess who like I think she tries to have sex with him right maybe he should have just gone here if he's trying to get something like that (laughs) oh my gosh Um, yeah that's interesting and just Mm. thinking like the depiction of a robust goddess with a cow tail. Mm-hmm. Like, so far I would say this is probably one of the bizarre ones. For sure. But, hey, where's my monster fucking <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> we brought it back around. Let's go. <laughs> but, um... Well, at that point, let's take a uh, quick mid-break, and we will be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right, welcome to the mid-break of the show, where we talk about everything to do with the lore cast. It has nothing to do with the lore of The Witcher. And at this point, I just want to thank all 12 of our awesome patrons supporting us. Thank you so much for your constant support. And uh, thank you, Jared M., who gets a shout-out every week, being a higher vampire on our patron. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash witcherlorecast, where you can get ad-free episodes, or even join us on the show once a month, which our patron chat is next Monday. So you do have time if you haven't signed up already, uh, where we can talk about anything the patrons desire. Uh, go into our Discord to talk about what you want to talk about. And I will remind everybody here shortly in the next couple days. But uh, you can also support us on Apple and Spotify. You can leave a five-star review on Apple with some words. We can read that out loud the next time on the show, as well as a nice comment on Spotify, which right now we don't have any reviews or comments at the moment. Um... But you can also join us on a few different Discord servers, the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net, as well as my own Discord server, the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, which links are those in the description below. And then, um, other than that, that's about it. I don't have anything else to add. I do not either. All right, well, let's get into more deities. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. We're back. Well, and now we I'm have gonna... an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very, uh, very much a counterpart to... Uh, Epona, uh, we have Creve. Uh, so Creve is the patron god for energy, uh, spontaneity, 
resourcefulness, expansion, and power. Um, it was worshipped by the inhabitants of the northern kingdoms. Uh, his symbols are a lightning bolt or a double lightning bolt. Whoa. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, he is popular among soldiers, knights, some monarchs, merchants, and risk takers. Um, he, his primary religion centers are Kaidwin, Hengsforth, and Bearfield. Uh, and his military arm is the Order of the White Rose. So, yeah. Uh, Creve is one of many deities worshipped by the inhabitants of the Northern Realms. In Bearfield was one of the larger temples of Creve. Creve priests are known for their passion for creating missions and proselytizing and in the aversion of many post-conjunction phenomena, monsters, and magic. So they're haters. <laughs> Woo. This is great. On the other hand, they are able to cooperate with other religious congregations, such as the cult of Melithala and the cult of the Eternal Fire. Uh, other than that, do not know too much about the deity, um, even if he was a fem a or sorry, even if they were a feminine or masculine deity. Um, there is a lot of like extra bits talking about how there's a lot of uh, relation to like like I said before, Th Thor or Zeus. Mm -hmm. So my assumption was more masculine, but. I shall use they for the rest of this. Hey, uh, deities version. typically are gender fluid. Look at most deities. They, well, so not most, but some deities are gender fluid. Or if you go into other fictions, Elder Scrolls, all the deities are essentially yeah, Zeus fluid. was species fluid. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Zeus literally screwed anything that walked. Yeah, <laughs> in, in various forms. Uh, but this is the other reason for it. Creve is a kind of sky father. Uh, or the thunder god of the northern pantheon, an expansive god associated with such attributes as such as decisive action, energy, power, spontaneity, resourcefulness, expansion in any meaning, and defense of ownership. Uh, his symbol is the thunderbolt, most popular among soldiers, knights, monarchs, merchants, and risk takers. The basic commandment of Creed's followers is the fight against evil understood both internally as challenging oneself to fight against one's own weaknesses and out, outwardly when evil means anything that threatens the people's lives, health, soul, or property. This is the reason why Creve's clergy are talented exorcists, but also opponents of mages and exotic pagan or secretarian cults like Coram Actera or Lilith. Like, we, like, the mages are fine. We don't have to hate on the mages, guys. Like, no. the rest, the rest, some mages sounds yes. really good. You said, like, you sounds really good to fight against evil. They're constantly, like, trying to better themselves. They're fighting against, you know, Cormac Terra, which we know fucking the cult of the Lionhead Spider sucks. Lilith, right. pretty bad. Um, so, like, but, like, Mages, you don't have to. You don't have to scrap S mages. some mages like Stregobor. Go after him all day long. We we won't care. Yeah, like fucking uh, or Gogoforts. Gogoforts. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> go after them. Fine. We're fine. Yeah, like if like, they leave, just end up dead, sure. You can leave Triss, Yennefer, here. You can leave them alone. Like we don't gotta fucks with them. Mm. Um, 
They are all they are also often prejudiced in relation to unassimilated non-humans. Uh Kree's military arm, the Order of the White Rose, founded by Hugus de Napes. That's that's a fucking name. Uh actively contributed to the extermination of Rans and the suppression of Aileron's rebellion. <sighs> the extermination. This is contributed to the extermination of a pe- that's rough. That's, that's rough. Wow, my gosh. Can't we have nice things? This is why I mean, we can't this, have nice this, things. This is loosely based off of Zeus, so you know what? It kind of makes sense. Zeus sucks. That's true. That is yes. <laughs> although although I will say Zeus didn't discriminate. <laughs> Fair. That's, That's fair. a really fucked up thing to say. <laughs> it is because Zeus just didn't care. He would smite anyone, regardless of who they were, he even would if fuck they were anyone that or too. anything. Regardless, yeah. That's where I was going at. Oh, What's the too. fucking of anything? Uh, no, Zeus sucks. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a Zeus defendist. Zeus is literally the worst. Um, but Creve's followers suck a lot too. Um. The cult of Creve is strongly associated with the cult of the Eternal Fire. Oh, we don't like that either. Go figure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, priests of Creve often argue and carry out disputes with priestesses of Melitola, but they can cooperate on important issues. Creve's clerics are the most vehement opponents of the worshippers of the lion-headed spider. That that's decent, at least. Yeah, but. <clears throat> There's it's still not good. With the internal fire, which is yeah, no, it's not good. Not good. It's not good. Except for that, like that one small story where it was Doodoo who was. That's true. That that's true. That, that, that was good. That was Doodoo. Yeah, it's true. Um, but their military branch, as I said before, is the Order of the White Rose. Um, they are a knightly order with the purpose to defend humans from evil. Um, their coat of arms. Get this. A white rose. <laughs> Whoa. On a red background. What? Um, yeah. Uh, their status is extinct. They good. no longer exist. Well, it's we'll good and that. not good. We'll get to that. We'll get to that, Ben. <laughs> um, the founder is Hugues de Napes. Um, their leader is a grandmaster. Uh, other notable members are Rudolf Valaris and Jacques de Aldersberg. Um, and they served in the area of the Northern Kingdom. So. Relatively expansive. Uh, the Order of the White Rose was a knightly order active in the Northern Kingdoms, using several com- uh, commanderies as their local strongholds. Commanderies? Commanderies? Easily identified by crimson cloaks with the emblem of the White Rose on their left shoulder, the knights were equipped with a helmet, armor-plated gauntlets, grooved breastplate, and carried a heavy sword. Those responsible for the Order's code, receiving of new members, and obtaining investitures from the aristocracy were gathered in the chapter, which was headed by the Grand Master. Knights of the Rose were mostly nobly born gentlemen, even though later uh, in the 1260s, many sons of wealthy merchants, tailors, and burghers ended up joining the Order for a thousand Novigrad crowns. So they're also classist. It's not good. It's not looking good. Nope. Uh, at, at this 
At this time, many members of the order, including Count Falwick of Mullen, uh, served Prince Hereward of Ellender, and thus gained a lot of influence and respect there, and a number of locals like Arthur uh, Talus joined in and took vows. After the wars of the Nilfgaardian Empire and the death of the Grand Master, Rudolf Alaris, the order was dying, and so a new charismatic leader, Jacques de Aldersberg, established a new order on the old, calling it the Order of the Flaming Rose. His aim was to protect the people from monsters and other evils, as well as to promote the belief in the eternal fire. Which is a bunch of a-holes. Yep, and as we know, the Order of the Flaming Rose considers witchers to also be monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Though I do like, and this deals with the Eternal Fire, where there is an Eternal Fire priest uh, preaching out in uh, one of the streets of Novigrad, and you can just shut him up. It is freaking hysterical because uh, you can make put logic into everything, and he has no like comebacks to add at like basically anything and all the people are like oh my god he's completely right holy crap and like basically like throw off this internal fire priest it's great mm-hmm. and uh, you can also it... uh kill one right in the beginning of the game too when you start hell yeah uh, but that is it for creep um Next up, we have Lovani, which is going to be very short. Uh, so Lovani, worshipped by Nordlings. Uh, her symbol is the moon. Uh, main religion centers are uh, Velen and Alander. Uh, Lovani is the ancient Nordling goddess of the moon, worshipped particularly in Elendir and Velen, where she had a temple built in a cave system east of Todorus. By now, her temples have been abandoned and turned to ruins. Ta-da. That's it. That's it. Yep. Not a whole lot on her. Um, by far, though, she's uh, one of my favorites because I love moon goddesses. Saluna is my favorite deity in D&D. Okay. There you go. Played a, whole, played a cleric of Saluna for a whole ass year. <laughs> I did. Uh, but moving on to another pretty fucking cool goddess um, and one that you, people are probably pretty familiar with, and that is Melithala. I would hope so. <laughs> yep. Um, if you're not familiar with Melithala, why are you listening to this podcast? Because you're definitely not a fan of The Witcher because there's no way you've avoided hearing about Melithala this whole time. There's like no the way. name pops up in almost every book. It's mentioned almost basically in every single game. It's and in the show. It's in the show. It's literally everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But, you know, you know, whatever. We still appreciate you for listening. Um, so this is actually the only deity today that actually has journal entries in the games. Um, and not just like one, all three. See, again, shows up in every game. Yep. <laughs> so her glossary entry from about the cult of Melithala in The Witcher 1. Among the numerous faiths of the Nordlings, the most widespread is the cult of Melitala, the goddess in three forms, young girl, woman, and crone. Melitala is the mother goddess, extending her care over her children. Her following is not solely composed of women. Men pray to her as well. 
Clerics of Melithola preach love and peace. They run many hospitals, shelters, and orphanages. Uh, in The Witcher 2, uh, you can get this journal entry from a book called The Grand Triple. Um, there's also, you can also, there's, there's a also a quest called Melithola's Heart. Um, <laughs> one of the dwarves expresses his awe by shouting Melithola's tits. Oh, I love dwarves. <laughs> dwarves are great. Um, but this is her journal entry from the book. A great Melithola is, among others, the patron of love, marriage, fertility, nature, and abundance. Her cult came to be through the blending of those beliefs many different races and cultures held about these aspects of life. Melithola's popularity never waned, and the phenomena is explained in various ways. I think the causes are prosaic myself. The cult of Melithola is predominantly woman cults, and the goddess is, among others, the protector of women in childbirth. A delivering woman has to scream and apart from the usual yells and empty promises that she will never give herself to another mangy man again, the woman has to call some deity for help and Melithola fits the bill perfectly. Because women were delivering, deliver, and will be delivering, the goddess Melithola does not have to worry about a lowering of the number of worshippers. Obviously, yep. this was a book written by a man. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's um, true. <laughs> but still, uh, there is some substance substance in women worshiping the goddess of fertility and childbirth. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then for The Witcher 3, we have a bit of a small journal entry. Shrines of Melithola are scattered throughout Velen. In the south of Ellen, the image of Melithola has become mixed with that of the Ladies of the Wood, a syncretic blending of the two figures. This fits because even outside of Velen, Melithola is considered to embody the aspect of the crone, as well as the mother and maiden. I remember, I think we talked about that in the crone episode, with uh, how yeah. that, um, that was like a thing. And it reminds me, there is a side quest you can do in The Witcher 3 in Velen where you can go around and prop up these three, um, like the three the statues, shrines. Sta- shrine yeah, you have statues. to like you have to blend them or something, right? Because you have to fight monsters and then have to like um, stand them up. No, you just stand them up. Like some of them that are are surrounded by monsters, and like typically the last one you do is surrounded by humans because they're the ones toppling them over and whatnot. Okay. But um, but yeah, but still, you should do that because Melita Melitalis rocks brain it's hard to say any words after melithola i'm not even gonna lie <laughs> yeah. um but she is the patron goddess for love marriage peace fertility nature abundance mother and motherhood um she's worshipped by originally the duck and wosker people and then is that religion spreads on even now into today and is vastly worshipped throughout the northern kingdoms um her symbols are a little bit of a weird one to explain. Um, They're basically circles and lines. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, one of them appears to be a like a 
conjoined like three circles um, with a smaller like half circle over the top. Um, and the other one is three circles in a horizontal line with like lines coming down with the middle one being longer than the two on the side. Yeah, um, there's not really an easy way to describe those words. Those ones, yeah, those ones are a little difficult. Um, but it is, it is generally speaking, like that is uh, the three circles, uh, meaning like her three aspects. Is, right, is kind of the big thing there. Um, she is popular among women of all creeds: peasant farmers, lumbermen, and foresters. Um, her main religion center is Elander. Um, you've read the last witch yeah the last wish um Geralt goes to Elander uh to stay at the temple multiple times um, yep uh and the military arm is the militia guard um but only they only work in some regions uh Melithala is a mother goddess worshipped in the northern kingdoms. The center of her cults is in the temple of Elander, headed by the high priestess Ninica. Yeah, Ninica. I love Ninica so much. She's great. Um, even even uh, I even the like how Netflix. different she was in the Netflix one. I still loved her too. She was great. Oh yeah, she she portrayed the character as yeah pretty much well as the book did. I'm so sad we're not going to probably not going to ever see her again. Probably <laughs> not. No. But like she was great. she's great in the books because like like even, like in the books she tells Geralt off on a regular basis basically tell him like stop doing stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, great. she's 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 perpetually in Geralt's corner but is also like not a yes man friend. Is a, is very much she, the friend. She's essentially been- Geralt's like it was like his kind grandmother. Of, yeah, I was gonna say like a grandmother mother figure to him. It's 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 hysterical. Yeah, yeah. but like a grandmother with a wooden spoon. Yeah, <laughs> not smack not... you. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the worship of Melitola is one of the oldest and most widespread religions. Original human cultures such as the, as the Dalk and Wilsger worshipped her, and as time passed, the worship spread to further lands and gained more followers. Melitola is considered by her followers as a patroness of fertility and birth, the guardian of midwives. Several of her priestesses made sacrifices to her, such as uh, Iola, who took a vow of silence. This is specifically the priestess that was in um, The Last Wish. Mm-hmm. Adela was worshipped as an incarnation of the goddess for a period of time in one of the Vitsiman temples. Melitola, as a patroness of eternally transient nature, is presented in three forms. The beautiful young maiden, the mature pregnant mother, and the indentulous wrinkled crone. Under her second aspect, Melitola is the goddess of fertility, protectress of women pregnant or in childbirth. All women, regardless of their age, domicile, or social position, have an esteem for her. Melithala is worshipped in most of the Nordland countries, primarily by people closely connected with nature, like farmers, lumbermen, or foresters. The cult of Melithala has a chain of large and small sanctuaries spread throughout the continent. If it is necessary to decide some matters on a nationwide scale, 
Abbesses of the major centers meet in selected temples and discuss various issues, though this happens rather rarely, and every major center remains, in point of fact, self-contained. Priestesses of Melitola often criticize priests of Creve, argue, and carry out disputes with them. However, they can cooperate together on important issues. They also stay in good terms with druids or priestesses of Skellige, Freya, or sorry, of the uh, the Skellige. Skellige. It's just such a weird word. Skellige, Freya. Yeah, the that's one of their deities. We'll have to talk about her too. Um, which is probably just the Norse goddess. <laughs> if I had to get Norse goddess Freya. Yeah. Um, similar, but uh, she's similar to Melitola in many aspects. The future handmaidens of the goddess are entered into the novitiate at the age of 14 or 15, or sorry, at the age of 14, 15 adepts learn arithmetic, biology, botany, and medicine. It's quite the curriculum. Um, They also acquire general knowledge about the world. The closing ceremony of the novitiate connected with admission into Melitola's priesthood is organized on each birth day. Young priestesses receive new robes and tasks from the abbess. Usually it is taking care of the rural, rural community or service in one of t- one of the temples. Many of them travel around the world as midwives or healers specialized in illnesses of women and children as wandering druidus, druidus teachers and governesses. Um, and then, like stated before, their military arm is the Melitola Guard, uh, which is a religious order. Uh, their sole purpose is protecting the temples of Melitola. Um, their coat of arms is that specific uh, three horizontal circles with the lines coming down mm-hmm. um, in green. Um, uh, they are Their status is extant, meaning that they're still in existence, though they're not like... There's not a whole lot of prevalence to them other than just protecting the temples. Um, they do not have a headquarters, though I guess you could argue that Elender uh, might act as one of those. Um, they just work out of the temples, uh, and they have no official leader. Um, in areas of the Northern Kingdoms where roads are not safe or faith in Melithola is not very popular, the Melithola Guard protect the goddesses' temples, relics, and clergy with their own lives. Yeah. And um, for everyone who doesn't know what Burke Day is... It's the spring equinox. Mm-hmm. Yep, we got the pagan holidays. Yep. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we we at least end this episode on another good uh good note, rather than being uh sad and <laughs> murderous. <than> last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, last week we didn't. We ended not. Did we end terrible last week? I can't remember. No, we ended. I think we ended on Dana Beeb, and she's great. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The one prior to her was uh, not so great. And, you know, the one prior to that was also not great. (laughs) That that was also true. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of really good ones today, although uh, Kreeb's followers suck. Oh, absolutely. The Flaming Rose and the Eternal uh, Fire. Yeah. No, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can all burn in their Eternal Fire if they uh, so please. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it for today. Yeah. I got one more in there, but to be fair, uh, 
One of them was like Hello Vonnie is like literally like a couple <laughs> sentences, not a whole lot. There we go. But have you it. know, it's fine. We got we got some some cool information. He gets to talk about some nightly orders, which I think was interesting as well. Oh it yeah. It's cool to like talk about those. Uh, which those are all the major ones. I don't think I don't know. I can't any... think of any other ones off the top of my head. There's yeah, probably the... some of them, but like the order of the white rose slash flaming rose. That's the one then, that always comes to my head. That's the one I... that always comes up and then uh the 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 golden stir uppers mm-hmm. which like we haven't heard a lot about them but they are like super prevalent mm-hmm. so yep so there we have it for this week so uh before we head out uh toasty share anything that you are doing um i'm still doing the cyberpunk lore cast um as well as the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast, Cyberpunk Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, that I do with the Fumbling for an Almighty Crit game. Other than that, catch me on the Discord or whatever. Yep, and you can find me on uh, this show as well as my other shows: Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon vs. Legends, the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and the Wizarding World Lorecast. All part of Robots Radio. You can also find me stream those. Uh, shows live on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash benoftimaria where I am trying to become affiliate and I am really close. I'm over halfway through the viewer like consistent viewership I need for a 30 day period. I need a constant three viewers of a 30 day period. Yeah, that one's always the hard one. I'm like almost at two. I'm at like 1.8 or something like that. Something like over the halfway point. Everything mm-hmm. else I'm good on. It's just the viewership. So go help me out. Go follow. Go get notified when I go live. Uh, just lurk. Like you don't even have to like pay attention to what we're going over. Just lurk and help me out get affiliate. And that that that's all I need. But um, I don't have anything else to add. But um, thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast and... They say for the past. Thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with the Witcher lore. You can also find us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast.